Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Any travelers who may need to exchange foreign currency during their voyage needn't worry. There are banks all along our rivers. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 186. Thank you for joining us today for another installment of our storytelling series where we are looking at Disney attractions and trying to break them down and pull out the storytelling aspects so that next time we ride them, we view them a little bit differently or we get another piece of the story that we have previously missed. Catherine, what is today's attraction? Well, today's attraction is one that I think whenever you picture or you talk about, you know, classic Disney attractions, I think this one definitely falls into that category. It was one of the original rides in Disneyland. It was one of Walt's ideas, and I think it has a rich history with the parks. It's very beloved for families and children of all ages. Today, we are talking about the Jungle Cruise. And I am very proud of the intro that I put together on this one. I don't know <laughs> if you've heard it yet, Catherine, but it's solid. I was in the room when you put it together. So pretty proud of myself for doing things like that. If you guys like those, trying to set the mood, set the tone for the episodes, let me know. And don't report us for copyright. <laughs> it's all in good fun. Yes. So as always, we're going to start the episode doing a ride walkthrough just to remember the story and remember what you experience on this attraction. Then we'll hit some of the interesting history highlights, then go to our storytelling takeaways, share some stories that both us and our listeners have, and then brand new format for our Neverland score. Yeah, we're really excited about that. So stay tuned for the very end of that. And I do have to preface that we are just sticking with the Disneyland version of this ride. So as far as the ride walkthrough, it's just slightly different if than if you are familiar with the Disney World version. So just had to put that out there. Good to know. So ride walkthrough. When you enter the ride, the queue and station are themed as the headquarters and boathouse of the Jungle Navigation Company, located in a presumably British colony of the 1930s. The queuing area is cluttered with appropriate props, such as pinned insects, an old radio on top of a bookshelf, and a chessboard with miniature animals and decorated shotgun shells replacing the pieces. The extended queue winds upstairs underneath an audio animatronic hornbill and then downstairs again. Big band music from the 1930s plays overhead, like heard in the very beginning, on the intro, punctuated by jungle-related news bulletins helping to reinforce the setting and threading together the show scenes and boat. So the upstairs portion is something we obviously don't have that in Disney World. Yeah. And in Disneyland, I think we had a fast pass for it. We did. So we completely missed this entire part of the queue, which I am upset because one of the things that we always talk about in these storytelling series is that the queue does do such a good job of kind of setting the scene for the ride. And honestly, I can't even tell you the last time that I've waited in line in Disney World. We always, when we ride it, we do fast pass. And it's just 
it's like Everest. It makes me think of Everest. It makes me regret not waiting in the line almost and kind of taking everything in. So maybe that's something that when we are locals here pretty soon, um, we might have to try that out because I do think all those little knickknacks are very cool. Yeah. I know in the fast pass line, you always pass the tarantula in the box. Yeah. And Disney world. Again, mm-hmm. we're talking about Disneyland, but yeah, you know, there, there is something to be said that you need to experience that at least every once in a while mm-hmm. to be able to get the full effect. So once aboard the boats, guests are introduced to their skipper and they head into the jungle, allegedly never to return. The first rivers simulated represent tropical Southeast Asia. These boats sail through a dense rainforest and ancient Cambodian temple ruins where passengers see a Bengal tiger, giant spiders, king cobras, and crocodiles. They then pass a shrine to the elephant-headed Hindu deity. The boats enter through the sacred Indian elephant bathing pool where dozens of Indian elephants prance in the water and squirt at the passing vessels. Again, every single time, you know they're not going to spray you, but do you fall for it? You still kind of like flinch a little bit because you never know like if one of these updates or one of these little, you know, system reboot things that they do, like maybe today is the day where the elephant is going to get you. That would be a very Disney thing for them to be like, ha ha, gotcha. You weren't worried about it for 10 years or, you know, whatever. Now you are. Ha ha. I always fear that maybe they got some snot snuck in their trunk and it's like messed with the nozzles and it is going to spray like directly at your boat mm-hmm. i mean who knows? it could happen some of these boats have sank ish so I, th- I feel like anything is possible honestly the three the theme transitions to the rivers of africa and riders see a family of baboons and a safari camp that is has been overrun by gorillas the boats careen past the waterfall schweitzer falls between two african elephants and large termite mounds You then pass by zebras, wildebeest, and giraffes watching a pride of lions feasting on a zebra beneath a rocky outcropping. That's fake news. Well, okay, so used to, I guess. I mean, no, it's still there, I'm saying, but they always say that he's sleeping sleeping with the lions. Yeah, you got to make it less scary. Which I always believe my skipper. You don't believe your skipper? You can't believe anything those skippers tell you. Beyond the lion's den, an angry rhinoceros has chased a safari party up a tree while antelope and hyenas watch nearby. The skipper then pilots the boat into a large pool, disturbing a pod of hippos that signal their intent to attack the boat. The skipper fires a fake gun into the air to frighten them away, usually with a clever joke. Uh, Table this. I have my favorite one that we've ever heard. Okay. Um, And... The gun, I feel like, is not used every time anymore either. Maybe that I can just speak on Walt Disney World's version. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they used it last time we were there. Well, see, and the thing is, too, I do remember riding it when I was younger. And I remember it would make like the popping, like the gun sound. And I feel like now, even if they pull it out or whatever, I feel like it doesn't make the sound. Like, I feel like the skipper either just tells a joke while he holds the gun, or maybe he makes a sound just like with his mouth. You know what I mean? But I almost think that they took away the actual sound effect. I can't remember for sure 
But that's what I'm telling myself I remember right now. I don't remember either. I mean, I don't think it was. I mean, I'm just making sure we're on the same page. It was never an electronic sound effect. It was like a cap gun. Well, yeah, I guess that's what I mean. Okay. By, I by it made like the popping sound. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. Somebody probably knows if it did get taken away or maybe we've just it hasn't caught our eyes. I feel like I would remember that because don't you think it would have scared Ellie? Our niece. Yeah, that's that's usually why we've rode this ride the past few times is because she loves the animals. So this ride has jumped up on our must do list, honestly, in just these past couple times that we rode it. And I feel like that that noise would scare her. Okay, do you have a favorite joke that they tell in this spot that you can remember? Well, you tell yours and I'll see if it's the same. So in Disneyland, I remember they told the one where it's like, I'll scare them away the same way that I scared away my ex-girlfriend. And he pops in and says, I love you. I want to spend my life with you. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> and that's the best one. I think we've heard that one a, a few times since then, but I think that was the first time that we heard it. And it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. So back to the ride. Drums and chanting are then heard as the boats come to headhunter country. The vehicles pass a native village before sailing into an ambush. The boats then pass behind Schweitzer Falls, famously referred to as the backside of water, and then enter the Amazon River. Skeletal animal remains and warning signs featuring pictures of dagger-toothed fish forewarn the next show, soon, show scene where the boats encounter leaping piranha. So this is a difference, right? Yeah, this is something that they only have in Disneyland compared to the Disney World version. Which I wish we had that. And yeah, this was a later addition too, like an up, upgrade. So finally, the guest meets shrunken head dealer Trader Sam before returning to the dock. So seemingly, this is a... It's so hard to capture the essence of this ride in a verbal ride walkthrough because it's the jokes that make it. Oh, it's yeah. your skipper who makes it. You could be sailing in the middle of nowhere with nothing to look at concrete walls on both sides. And it's the skipper that makes it. I was I think that's a key point for this ride is that really the skipper does make it or break it because we have experienced the difference of like a really good skipper who kind of mixes up the jokes versus just your average skipper who tells like the same jokes that everybody else tells. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is there, funny to ride with your dad, though, because every time he's like, oh, this is a new joke. This is new. I've never heard that. Well, I think that's his joke. I don't know. So? I can't tell if he's saying that. He seems genuinely excited. Well, I think he's saying that as the joke. I don't know, because the one skipper we had last time mentioned like engineering or something. Do you remember what that joke was? Yeah, he was saying it was like periodic table jokes and math jokes and things yeah, like that. And you're, I feel like your dad found it amusing. But. Maybe That's, I I don't know. I'd like to assume that he's in on it and saying like those were brand new jokes. Maybe he's serious. I don't know. We'll have to ask for some clarification next time. So next are just the interesting highlights of the history. This one in particular dating all the way back to 1955 is impossible to cover an exhaustive 
history of how this ride came to be and all the changes it's gone through and whatnot. So we just picked out kind of the big things that stood out to us that tell the story of the Jungle Cruise. Yeah, so like Brendan said, this ride debuted on July 17th in 1955, which was the opening day in Disneyland. It is located in Adventureland. And the same ride or the same kind of concept can be found in Magic Kingdom, Tokyo Disneyland, and Hong Kong Disneyland. Although in Hong Kong, for whatever reason, it's called Jungle River Cruise. I don't know why they had to be so specific. Big change up. Big change. But I did read that it's not in Paris Disneyland because in particular or Shanghai because they thought it was already in so many different places. They didn't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. But they will put small world everywhere. You know, you got to pick and choose, Brendan. You have to pick and choose. This one didn't make the cut. This is a very big footprint, which is a good point to make. To put this right in, it takes a lot of real estate. That's true. There are two well-known Imagineers that worked on this attraction, and those are kind of the two that we are going to focus on. Harper Goff is the first one, and Bill Evans is the second Imagineer. So Harper Goff, his big contribution to this ride is that he kind of took inspiration from a 1955 true life adventure about a pride of lions, which is like a documentary series. Mm -hmm. And then he also got inspiration from the movie, the African queen. And he kind of helped to use those things to design the ride vehicles. I thought that was interesting Well, we'll get to it here in a minute, but because of the original intent for this ride, what we see today when we ride the ride is not what was originally envisioned necessarily. Bill Evans, his job was to do all of the landscaping, not only for this ride, but for Disneyland and a lot of Walt Disney World as well. But in this ride, he had a particularly big challenge. He had to create an entire jungle on a budget. And that was something that I have heard about before. I'm not sure if it was the Imagineering story. It was. Okay, so it was. So this was all coming back to me as I was reading about it. But, you know, to make it realistic the way that they wanted to, you know, you need it to be overgrown and it wants to look wild. And to get all of those exotic plants, it's very, very expensive. So he had to be very creative. Side note, he was able to import some tropical plants, but the creativity part is what's more interesting. So the first thing he did was he just tried to use what they called character plants, which are plants that are not necessarily exotic, but they might look exotic. So to your average Joe like us, you know, they can make it look like anything since that's Imagineering. He also, what I thought was interesting, is he uprooted local orange trees and planted them upside down to show the exposed roots to kind of make it look like vines. And that would give that illusion that you were in this like thick jungle area. The last thing that he came up with is that he didn't want the water to be clean. So he actually dyed it brown. And it was mostly so that the guests couldn't see that the water was very shallow. In most places, it's only 
three to eight feet deep. I would honestly be surprised if it was eight feet deep anywhere. I guess maybe to hide some of the animatronic. Yeah, I was going to say like maybe where the hippos and uh, elephants are just their bottom workings of it. Mm -hmm. But that's probably it. But for the most part, it's very shallow. Um, So he wanted to make sure that people couldn't see that. I mean, that's pretty crazy. And it's telling that it gets better with age as those plants continue to grow and become more lush and more jungle-like. That is something that has stood out to me, that if you look at old footage, especially from the 50s when it first opened, I'm not going to say it's bare, but it's not the same jungle that you see today. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really cool that the trees have grown up and all these plants have just kind of overtaken the area. And now it's almost a little claustrophobic in the (laughs) boats because it's overgrowing. It's, it's in the water in some spots Mm -hmm. and you cannot see out into anywhere else at any point during this. Like I know specifically in Walt Disney World, where you make that last turn towards Trader Sam, you're pointing almost directly towards Cinderella's castle and you can't see it at all. And I think that's really impressive that you can build it up that much. Yeah. And it's it's nice to think that, you know, they finally were able to accomplish what the vision was, even though they just had to kind of make do there in the beginning. Now we get the full effect of everything that they wanted. So I do appreciate that. So coming back to kind of what I mentioned earlier, the original attraction did not contain any of the puns or, you know, the dad jokes that we have grown to love today. The actual intent for this ride was to provide a more realistic or believable voyage through the world's jungle. So it takes us through, of course, Asia, Africa, South America, and the original spiel that the skippers were going to deliver, that they did deliver at the beginning, was very factual and informational. It was kind of centered around the narration of a nature documentary, which of course is what Harper Goff used to get his inspiration for the ride. And I think part of the reason why, and Don't like quote me because I'm not the expert, but I feel like maybe part of the reason is why they moved away from that is because we do have animal kingdom now and, you know, we have like Kilimanjaro Safari to kind of fill that void. You're making a face like that's crazy. Well, I think your timelines are very off for when that change was made. Maybe they knew like in the back of their head. I don't know. I think they made that decision well before 1995. Well, probably. But well, I I do think animals are much more accessible as time went on, especially from the 50s forward with more people, people watching TV and and getting access to nature documentaries and stuff. So maybe seeing an animatronic zebra was not as thrilling as it was in 1955. That's probably true. That's probably a better reason. Whatever. But if you want to think it's Animal Kingdom, be my (laughs) guest. I, I like to because I'm an Animal Kingdom fan. So I like to equate all good things to Animal Kingdom. So basically what you're trying to say is Joe Rohde is responsible for Jungle Cruise getting its good update. I could I could back that. 
<laughs> I don't know about everybody else, but that I is, could support that. Yeah, that's not true. Anywho, um, if you think back to when we did talk about Kilimanjaro Safari, though, in episode 168, we can kind of tie in that Walt did actually want live animals to be incorporated into the Jungle Cruise. And, of course, just the cost of the, you know, I don't want to say maintenance of the animals. Cost of care, I guess, would be too high. And then just the unpredictable nature of the animals would be too dangerous to have an attraction like this um, in 1955, which is why they had to go with the animatronics. Can you imagine if Kilimanjaro was a boat ride? That would be awesome. It would be pretty cool. Although I feel like you wouldn't get as close to like the giraffes and things like that. So there is kind of like a... A give and take there. Well, in there, it would be impossible to keep that water clean. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> kind of gross, honestly, to think about. <laughs> so now, of course, the ride is known for those puns. And this, I thought, was the perfect time to talk about our favorite puns. So you mentioned one. Do you have any other favorite puns oh, or jokes? Man, you put me on the spot. I mean, I love all of them. I really do. I love the backside of water. I like when you're waving goodbye to the people on the dock. I know those aren't really puns. But probably the best one is um, the snot one. What's the full line? Do you remember? No. You may think that it's slick, but it's snot. Or or you might think that it's water when he, when they are blowing the water. But it's snot. But it's snot. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. The one uh, that kind of triggered my memory earlier is when you mentioned the ambush and they all tell you to duck. He says, duck, duck, duck. Goose. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I like the puns, but I also like the self-deprecating humor of the skippers. So saying like, I let my parents down or we've had ones mention like I'm living my dream. I'm coming to Walt Disney World and going in a circle eight hours a day. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of that self-deprecating stuff that that they mix in with the puns that I really enjoy. Yeah. And I think that's where they have more. Space to roam with their humor, mm -hmm. I would assume. Yeah, they all kind of have that like dry humor, which also made me think. Since this is a ride for all ages, is it better for kids or for, or for adults? I think there's probably a cutoff. Little kids like our niece, mm -hmm. she she loves seeing the animatronics. That's closer to a, quote, elephant, unquote, that she will ever get. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And so those things are larger than life to her. There's probably a cutoff from when animatronics are not cool anymore to when you can catch all the jokes. Like fully appreciate it. To fully appreciate it. It's probably like eight to 14 would be my guess at it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You teach middle schoolers. Do you think they would enjoy it? See, with middle schoolers, I feel like it depends on... Like their sense of humor, like there's some who would probably still miss it. And then there's some that would probably find it hilarious. I know maybe like upper teens is pretty safe since it is kind of like that self deprecation kind of humor. Like I'm going to talk bad about myself. I know my sister finds this hilarious. You literally cannot ride this ride 
with her without her just dying the entire time, almost to a point where it's like embarrassing (laughs) to ride with her because she laughs so much. But the alternative to that is the people who don't realize that it's humorous. Yes, that's sad. And it is sad. I do feel bad for those people. And I wish I could remember. They will have to let us know. But I remember Sarah and Jeff, adults in Disney, mentioned riding it. It was obviously it was either in Tokyo or Hong Kong. And like nobody else was laughing. Mm -hmm. So they weren't sure if it was humorous or not. So I don't know. I feel like the again, the skipper makes it, but also the boat that you're in Mm -hmm. with the other guests makes it. Yeah. If other people are having a good time, it does make it a little easier to have a good time as well. But overall, the story and the ride itself have had very few changes throughout the years. Some notable changes. And again, these aren't everything, but these are just the big ones. In 1962, the Indian elephant pool was added. In 1964, that lost safari scene was added to where like they're climbing up the pole and the rhinos trying to get him. Um, in 1976, the Cambodian temple and the gorilla camp scene was added. And then in 1997, the original ride vehicles were actually replaced. Let's talk about the ride vehicles. Okay. There are 12 ride vehicle boats and In Disneyland, at least, it's a maximum of nine that are being used at any given time. It definitely seems like more. I don't know. They seem to churn them out pretty quick. Don't you think? Uh, I don't know, because I was actually going to say earlier when we were talking about the standby versus fast pass queue, that this just feels like a long wait. Yeah. It moves in big chunks Mm -hmm. and then you're stationary. And that's the kind of ride that I... I lose my mind in. Yeah, we do like the ones that are like. Omni movers are bust. Yeah, where you're just constantly walking. It is less painful. They all have a unique name. And in 1955, the boats were originally created to look clean and new. But since then, when they were replaced, they got a more grungy look. Um, They got more wear and tear, ruggedness to kind of look like you're on a long journey since you're not really supposed to, you know, come back for a long time while you're on this journey. But I didn't pack a toothbrush. Well, I guess you're going to have stinky breath. Other additions or other updates. My favorite is that in 2013, Jungle Cruise was given a new overlay during the holiday season called the Jingle Cruise. And the ride is decorated with, of course, just different Christmas decorations. Jingle Cruise is amazing. We are big fans of anything holiday related, any kind of overlay. We are suckers for it. We love the Jingle Cruise. Well, and I do think, I mean, it's nice because they're jokes that you hear less often. Mm -hmm. So that's always like a nice perk to it. But who doesn't like a gorilla wearing a Santa hat? I was going to say, I love all the little Santa hats and just like little things. It's something almost just different to look at, you know? Yeah. So that is the key points of history and the ride walkthrough that made sense to us and what we wanted to share with you guys. We're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back to have the rest of the episode. 
This episode is brought to you by Karma and Kismet. We often talk about how to stay organized when creating or starting a new project. And part of that organization includes writing ideas down as they come to you or making to-do lists, just like we mentioned in Monday's episode with Josh. Kelly has created a lot of fun Disney-inspired stationery to help you do just that. Some of our favorites include a Baby Yoda and It's a Small World-inspired notepads. You can head to Etsy and search for Karma N, that's the letter N, Kismet, or visit KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com to find the stationery that best suits your personality. And you can use the code DETOUR10 for 10% off your order, and those links will be in the show notes. So storytelling takeaways, what are kind of the big things that stand out for you? Honestly, I just think to not take things too seriously. I think one of the best things you can do is learn how to make jokes or laugh at yourself or the little quirks. And I think the dad jokes are a great way to lighten the mood. It's a great way to just... Like laugh and enjoy your time in Disney in maybe like a not so typical way. And I think just don't take things too seriously. I like that one. Mine is that human interaction is still the backbone of storytelling. So we can get all of the technology and the social media and everything in the world that you want to throw in there. But someone telling you a good joke And progressing a story along cannot be replaced by anything that you have to have those conversations and and have those face to face interactions uh, to keep things moving along. I hate to keep doing this because I know we do this every single episode, but Rise of the Resistance, which will probably be the only 10 that I give out in all of this. My favorite part of that ride is the human interaction. And I know there's many people who have had, haven't had a chance to ride it yet, so we don't need to spoil anything. But the human interaction, above all, is what drives it, I think. I think that's a good point, because that is something that you cannot replace. Like you said, you can have all the technology, all the cool things, but Jungle Cruise would not be what it is or have the story that it does if... You didn't have those skippers. You know, if the boat just drove itself, it would be a terribly boring ride. Yeah. So as always, we ask for listener stories or opinions on this ride. We didn't give too much heads up. So we only have one this week and it's from Katie Howerton. So thank you, Katie, for submitting. We will give people more ample time next time uh, to submit. And Katie says, This is amazing. I adore Jungle Cruise. I realize it's not the most innovative ride, but the skippers are emoji 100. (laughs) It's relaxing to me. It's the heart of Adventureland, one of my many favorite lands and aesthetics. I highly suggest dining at Skipper Canteen to make the most of the experience. Food is great, provides what feels like a backstory to the ride, and the waiters are just as funny and sassy as the skippers. Extra fun to do them back to back. So we fail in this we've never been to skipper's canteen we've mentioned it many many times and we've just never taken the opportunity to do it we've had it recommended to us probably more times than we can count at this point and i think part of the reason we've never done it is because the menu looks a little adventurous we're just gonna have to get over that i guess but i would maybe 
someday we will wait in the queue, as painful as it might be. We'll wait in the queue. We'll take it all in. We'll enjoy every second of it. We will ride the ride and then we will eat at Skipper's Canteen. I would like that. I think it would be fun. Is that a date? It's a date. <laughs> what do you think about what Katie said that Jungle Cruise is the heart of Adventureland? I think it is. I would agree with that. I think Adventureland has a very interesting, I don't know if flow is the right word, but you have pirates and you have Jungle Cruise. Pirates is the only one, other one that I could argue. It's not Aladdin. No. Gosh, it's not Aladdin. It's not. I the, See, the Tiki Birds and the Jungle Cruise, I feel like, go very well together. Pirates, I do feel like that fits in Adventureland. But I could probably argue more that Jungle Cruise is more. Advent, like more themed Adventureland, I guess. We're also breaking our own rules and talking about. Walt Disney World. Ah, oh, dang it. Because Pirates is in New Orleans Square, of course. Oh. In Disneyland. We I think it's break our rule. It's definitely true in Disneyland. Jungle Cruise is the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Tarzan's Treehouse is cool, but it doesn't have the historical significance or the foot traffic yeah. to compete. I mean, Bingle Barbecue is really awesome. Is Indiana Jones in Adventureland? Yeah. Okay. But I would still think, I think Jungle Cruise would be above Indiana Jones. They tie in together well. They do. But I would say significance wise, I think I would agree with Jungle Cruise. But I think, I think it's also true for Magic Kingdom. Mm -hmm. Pirates almost doesn't, Pirates feels like its own land. I know people might argue that, but it's kind of. You know, it's so close to Frontierland and it is quite a bit of a walk from. I say quite a bit of a walk. It's like it's separated. It's like 300 yards from Tiki Room to there. Mm -hmm. But I think even the fact that Tiki Room opens back into the bazaar area. It kind of makes pirates feel separated. I would agree with that. What about Swiss Family Treehouse? Not nearly as cool as Tarzan. <laughs> no. So I think I think that we're, those were all excellent points, Katie. So thank you so much for sharing that. So personally, if you had to sum up kind of stories or memories or just how do you feel? How are you vibing with Jungle Cruise? I have two things that kind of stand out. The first one was actually from like middle school High school, I'd say middle school, when I went with my family, we had a funny skipper. She was a girl and we just got off the ride. And of course, me and my sister were like hysterically laughing because we just, you know, ag each other on. And I think we had like a running family joke about that Jungle Cruise ride for years. If I were to walk downstairs and ask my sister about it right now, she would be able to quote this skipper. It was, she was warning us about the hippos maybe. And just the way that she did it just cracked us up. So that's the first big memory that I have. The second one was riding it with our niece, Ellie, because I don't remember if it was an elephant that made a noise 
it must have been an elephant. But she was so startled by it. And it was just the funniest thing to just like watch her. She heard this elephant. She's like looking around. She saw it. She kind of jerked a little. And just all of her expressions were very funny. She thought they were real. And I was holding her at the time. You were. So it was cute. Blessed. Um, <laughs> those are good ones. I, I think for me, this is another ride. And I feel like I have a lot of these that it clicked for me in adulthood. I hate to admit it, but this was a joke in my family for a different reason. You didn't be- like it? Yeah. <laughs> Our family would be like, it's the same thing every time, which you could say that for every single Disney ride. So I don't know why we pinpointed Jungle Cruise as that. Uh huh. But yeah, we didn't ride it very often. I remember I remember distinctly one year I booked the fast passes for our family. And I got a Jungle Cruise and they were upset with me. But adulthood has shown me the light. I. Again, I love the human, the skippers playing such a pivotal role in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's just it's fantastic. The last we haven't had a below average skipper in a long time. So I feel like everybody there now like really wants to be there and they love it. They're all about it. It's a desired position. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that makes a big difference. I wonder, see, for me, we always joke about how my sister should do it just because she loves it so much. But she also would just like say a joke and then laugh at herself. Oh, yeah. She would never get to the punchline. No. So it is fun. I, it is interesting. I wonder if there's anyone out there who's been assigned a skipper and then like demoted away from being a skipper. Like they just couldn't handle it. Not like a personality issue, but. I guess it is a personality issue if you laugh at your own jokes. I don't know. I wonder if there's anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's skippers who couldn't make the cut. <laughs> but uh, you also see a lot of I see it on Instagram all the time. People saying they're like skipper is something people are very proud of. You mm-hmm. see a lot of retired skippers who make their Instagram name skipper. I think. Skipper Jeff is the one that we have seen on Instagram. Like you you see that Mm -hmm. quite a bit, which is cool, I think, because you don't see Haunted Mansion Steve very often. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there is a Haunted Mansion Steve out there and we just don't know about it. I hope there is. (laughs) I want to get to the level where we have a favorite Skipper. You have those people who like they know them by name, like that is their person or that's like the the ride that they'll never forget. We need our, our very own skipper. I feel like that would also be very possible at Skipper Canteen. You get a favorite waiter. waiter. Yeah, that's true. So this is another one that I feel like the history and the story within the stories are so deep and so rich that you can go into so there's lots of SEA connections. Schweitzer, you know, there's a whole story there. So that's something I would like to go into in the future is figuring out that stuff. Maybe it doesn't have an SEA connection. I don't know. Maybe I just made that up. Who knows? But I do feel like there's Adventureland Day now. Very cool thing. We'll have uh-huh. to be a part of once we're locals. 
and you have a lot to wear a costume when you do that. Yeah, and okay. and lots of that, I think, is it it channels back to Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. Neverland score. So, one of the coolest things that's ever happened to us on this show is we had a listener, Jake Shrimsher from Share the Magic Travel, reached out. Because last week we mentioned that we wanted a rubric to work off of to give these scores because we felt like we weren't really being fair, that we weren't really doing them true to form. We were being very biased, self-admittedly, and we wanted a more accurate rating scale, a more accurate depiction for how to rate these rides. And now we have one. We have a rubric. It has categories it has point totals it's either it's color-coded i mean my goodness we did not deserve that (laughs) can you take this to work and laminate it i i can laminate i have a laminator here at home okay and then we can fill it out right now we use sticky notes and then we can use expo markers markers. yeah look at us we are moving on up so well i'm going to share the top categories for you guys there's 10 of them and obviously, if they they got the highest points in each individual category, they would get a 10 out of 10. And then it goes down to 0.75, 0.5, 0.25, or a zero. Categories, rewritability, fast pass worthy, standby worthy, sights, sounds, smells, oh my. I like immersion. That's a cute one, yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Nostalgia, love it or fix it, thrill factor, smile factor, how much do you miss it? And worth the time investment. So, Jake, you nailed this. Knocked it out of the park. And the choices within (laughs) the categories are hilarious, too. So we've posted this over in our Facebook group, which you can find in the show notes below below, or search Detour to Neverland podcast community if you want to take a look at it. Like some of my favorites are on Smile Factor. The lowest point is someone called Marie Kondo. So it sparks no joy (laughs) at all. Uh, And then the top one is smiling from ear to ear. My one of my favorites is in the love it or fix it category. It says extreme makeover Disney edition. That was a good one. Yeah. So love for you guys to check this out and play along with each attraction as well. Tell us what your score is for this. So I think we'll have a much better way of scoring these now yeah and so it's going to be so much better that we can we've talked about putting together a matrix of showing how we've scored each ride and we haven't had a chance to do that yet but um maybe we'll have to go back to our previous attractions and put them to this test yeah we would have to just because i do think now that we have this rubric looking at the score that I'm about to give Jungle Cruise, it's going to feel like I lowballed it, but I think it's more accurate with the rubric, if that makes sense. I like, think, I don't feel like I'm lowballing it because I had a rubric. I think going forward, they're all going to make more sense from here on out. Yeah. We won't be giving out 9.5s, except for Rise of the Resistance. We might. <laughs> and like Everest. So. Radiator Springs. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my score is a 7.25. And the categories that Jungle Cruise scored best in for me were Nostalgia, Love It or Fix It, 
where I chose Don't You Dare Change a Thing and the Smile Factor, where I chose the top category of smiling from ear to ear. I almost feel like you just read my post-it note because those are all of my top categories, too. Really? Yeah. Smile Factor, Nostalgia, and Don't Change It. What did you score lowest in? Lowest, I scored, I didn't number mine like yours. Give me a second. Thrill Factor was my lowest score. I gave it a 0.5 in Thrill Factor. And my, I don't think that's too generous. It probably is. But I went with it because there is there's different kinds of thrills. It's thrilling in the fact of is the elephant going to spray on you? OK, it's thrilling of can you get out of this boat successfully without falling on your face? <laughs> that's a thrill. Okay. Different kind of thrill. OK, my lowest was standby worthy. So I said I would wait 15 minutes for it. OK, so yeah, for that one, I said no more than 30. So we're we're similar. Mm-hmm. Again, we are probably not the best judges of that because we we're we're pretty lame as far as waiting standby. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've given my score yet. Oh, my score. I gave it a six and a half, which seems low, but. I was trying, uh, my good teacher in me, I was trying to follow the rubric very, very carefully. Jungle Cruise hater. No, 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 no. I do love the Jungle Cruise. I've said that. I'm just, I'm following my my rubric. I think that's fair. Yeah. I like it. I think going forward, our, our scores are going to mean a lot more. Um, I don't know if... Uh, Harper Goff and Bill Evans are listening. Unfortunately, I think they'd be listening from the other side, but maybe, maybe they're on pins and needles saying how we scored this. They might be. They might be. You never know. So Brendan got to choose for our next episode. Brendan, what did you choose? So we've been going on this um, path of rotation of trying to hit all the different parks equally. So next on the list would be. Epcot, and I chose a ride that I think I'm going to score much higher than you, Soren. You're probably right. I don't know. We'll have to decide between this week and next week. Are we doing Soren around the world or Soren over California or both? How are we going to do that? Mm, that is a discussion for another day. <laughs> That's a lot to think through. But you will have to tune back in next week. And find out. Yep. So this is a three episode week. We thank you for supporting us in our move. And as we promised when we announced we are doing a moving diary. We'll work, we'll work on the wording. It's kind of like a diary, like a moving. Checkup. Uh, check. Yeah. Checkup. Just follow where, through. I don't know. Just like where we're at. Mm-hmm. Things that have happened, where our mental state is at, what we're looking forward to. Just talking through that entire process, I think, is going to be fun. So we will release that on Friday, this Friday. And then next Monday, we'll be back to a normal schedule. So we thank you so much for joining us. Hope you are having a wonderful week. And we will chat with you on Friday. Oh, 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 oh,
Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.